Hey everyone, welcome to the Industry Show. I'm your host Nitin Pajaj, and joining me today is the one and only Vani Kola. Vani, welcome on the show. I'm very happy to be here, and hopefully, this is going to be fun, but also of some value. So, looking forward to it, and knowing you, I know it'll be both. So, let's start with who is Vani. <laughs> These are the tricky questions because. in one form it could take you a lifetime to figure out who am i i turned um, 60 this year nitin so you're going to a lot of reflections and thinking in fact i've been writing about that so at one level honestly i feel i am a no one in the long run every footprint gets erased and i don't say this despondently i say this with a sense of purpose that we don't think too much about our successes or be too critical of our failures so in my life philosophy maybe this is years of meditation but i feel that every day i will try to do my best and if i do then that's a life well lived and if i can't win today i will win some day and i've lived by that philosophy honestly and it makes life a little easier because your setbacks don't feel so final and they aren't they shouldn't be but i also believe it's really important to make mindful choices and live life intentionally because that's the only way you can let go of regrets and living a life of regrets is no fun at all but i think ultimately we all have a purpose in our existence and everything that we know we have if we can give also a hand that brings others along to share the summit then i think that's being human so to me these are some of the sort of guiding principles of my life that may not answer who i am but these are the things i believe in no but that's our beliefs is what makes us so that is totally you and again thanks for sharing that because i think one of the things with life is as you gain the wisdom the more you share the more you get back and so thank you for sharing that now tell us one of the many things you brought to life and made it flourish is kalari capital so give us a sense for what it is what is the mission the vision and most importantly as you have thought through a lot of these things why do this so from a technicality kalari capital is a early stage technology focused venture capital firm based in india and we invest in seed and series a startup so they're pretty young they are largely many times at an idea and a formative stage so i look at the joy of what we do comes from empowering entrepreneurs to build unique solutions that reshape the way indians live work consume 
and transact. But Kalari, to me personally, is something much more than that. To me, I started Kalari because I wanted to give back entrepreneurship in some way. And I wanted to do that in India where it was just beginning when I started this journey. The entrepreneurship for world was just beginning in India. And look, there are many uh, economic philosophies that the world has seen over time but I believe that entrepreneurship is a great economic equalizer and also is the engine for growth and hopefully better equitability to everyone right and so in enabling entrepreneurship I believe we are also serving the society and the larger cause of making life better for everyone. And so to me, entrepreneurship is a rite of passage, a, a purposeful existence. And if I could play a small part in making that happen in for a few people, that's how anything grows there is a ripple effect every action creates a far-reaching ripple effect so our small actions are never that meaningless and they're also not so meaningful you know you if you look to create a tsunami that may or may not happen immediately but i think if we keep putting out the ripples they reach far shores so that's how i look at the broader purpose of enabling entrepreneurship and why do it at all? And then lastly, at a more personal level, I'm an entrepreneur myself. So building this kind of an institution is simply every day challenging yourself. And when you challenge yourself, whether it's in the gym or in another kind of a gym, your mental gym, it's fun, right? Because you, when you work against resistance and or overcome the hurdles or whatever it is, it redefines you. So I think because every day we are dealing with young people with great ideas and something that could have a purpose on how it impacts many people and being able to do that every day, I truly feel is a privilege. So I feel really grateful to do this work, to have the opportunity to do this work that I do. I'm enthused every day to get up and see what I get to learn today. And I get to learn from all these bright young people every single day. Well, and you have to acknowledge a couple of things. <clears throat> One is, I don't know if it's the causation or correlation, you obviously know this, is the whole generational shift and entrepreneurship going from parents saying, don't do this to it becoming sexy, cool, and the in thing in India from a generational perspective. Again, causation, correlation, I don't know, but that started right around the time you moved back to India. And I know those ripples, you have created several hundred of those. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for uplifting an entire generation, an entire country where this and what you do has become the heart of the ecosystem. So congratulations and kudos to you. And but don't I forget, really... I've received 
thousand times back, right? You know? Not just monetarily, we have done that too, but just in terms of the satisfaction and fulfillment. Absolutely. That's one thing as you have realized and so have a few of us is the more you give, the more you get back. And we don't give because of that. That's because, as you said, it's a rite of passage and it's what we do. It's the right thing to do. But the rewards are so welcome. Give us a sense of the size and scale. And I say that more in terms of the impact that Kalari has been able to create over the years. It's a good question. I honestly don't necessarily think in that framework. Okay. We have invested in about, let's say, 150 companies over the last 15 years. We invest in about 10 companies, 8 to 10 companies a year. And some have done phenomenally well and have not reached the potential they could have. The process has tremendous learnings for, of course, the founders, but also for us. And we already talked about ripple effects and the impact in this business is always very far reaching. And so trying to measure that, of course, there are some metrics to how we measure, but I think they don't necessarily do a great service to truly understand the value creation. But in terms of first and foremost, there's a simple measure. Everything is an economic engine. To think otherwise is juvenile. And the, so you get money, <laughs> you have to create money. No farmer sows a seed not to get a crop. You've got to get a multiplier of a crop. At the simplest example of that, everything has to multiply Okay, for your effort. Otherwise, why would we ever put effort? right? Financially, have we generated value? Because that's one measure, obviously, right? And a lot of things need to work. Your idea needs to work. You have to have people need to want it. They have to then pay for it. And they'll only pay for it because they need it. And you generate a profit and hence you create value. And of course, along comes employment that you have created, maybe you know, somebody's life got better or somebody's didn't. I'm thinking in the context of robotics and somebody loses their job. Whatever it is, that's the cycle of life <laughs> continues. But you create value and hence for your investment, your seed that you sowed into the ground, you get a crop, you get your return. So ultimate measure, of course, it doesn't matter whether the farmer tilled so hard or didn't or whatever. If he gets no crop, you go hungry, right? So you got to get that money back. And we have done that very well. We have made a lot of money for our investors. And I think we would belong in the upper quartile. Every single fund of us, ours has probably belongs in upper quartile of the world. And this was important to me because money today is global and money goes where money can be made. And sometimes in India, we have a funny equation when we talk about money, but this is the reality of economics and and the underlying principle of how everything works, right? Venture capitalist farmer doesn't matter. So I think we have done very well in making money for our investors, which was important to us, especially because money is a means to an end. It's not the end itself. I've always been very clear. Why I do this? You asked, why do I do this? And 
first answer wasn't because that, oh, I need to make a lot more money and this business allows me to do it. But I have to make a lot more money in order to be able to do what I like, which is work on new ideas, work with people and so on and so forth. So by one measure of our impact, right, we have been able to bring money globally into India and prove that Indian ideas and Indian entrepreneurs can actually create value for that money and that you should bring your money back into India because you receive the return, right? If you don't prove that, everything else is really just wasted idealism. So, so true. there is a hard metric, of course, right? But the hard metric, of course, is not the intrinsic of the value you create. It's an absolute necessity. And acknowledging that with, what should I say, no excuses or no apologies, I think is important. So we have done that. We have made money for our investors. And I'm grateful for that, for the founders who enabled us to do that. Because if we didn't, my work would stop. And I like to continue to do my work, which is how can I coach these founders and seeing them become these phenomenal leaders. And there's just a deep joy in that and seeing the idea come to life and and seeing people overcome things that didn't work, but rediscover something else, rediscover themselves. So this is just the creation process is a very, very satisfying process. And I like being in the... Um, heart of that creation process. Love that. That drives the why, that drives the impact, the change, the transformation. So as you go through these journeys, as you go through the macroeconomic, the micro, the whole spectrum of things that you have to go through, not just as an entrepreneur, as an investor, but also as a mentor to an entire generation of entrepreneurs, If you sit back and say, I would love to know, what's that one big challenge you face? People have so much more to who they are or who they can become. And it's that journey where someone reaches their full potential or someone doesn't. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is really around how do you and we are all human we are all flawed right but we have to work through our blind spots we have to reach deeper into our reserves and it's a race where someone in somehow gets to the finish and someone doesn't Hmm. there is a mind game to this of course there's a physicality to it and that's actually lesser of the problem but there is a mind game to it, right? And this is true in sports. This is true in anything. This is true in art. This is true in business. Because at the end of the day, it's few, it's creation and human creation, right? So how to unlock that? That is really the challenge. How to enable that? How to get people to reach deep within themselves because you can't do it for them you can only 
advise or suggest or enable is even too arrogant a word how can you just support them to find that i think it's that inspiration how do you inspire someone to be intrinsically motivated because i think that's where you light the fire and then they understand and of course they need help support guidance but it's that intrinsic motivation once you light that fire or show them that there is a possibility i think you've done most of the work and then they are ready to do the heavy lifting seek guidance and then transition from there so i really love that and love that you have that challenge because i can't think of anybody else better than you to light those fires inside of people now on the flip side of challenges come opportunities i would love to hear what is that most exciting opportunity you're looking at what am i most excited about i've always been a reader and a thinker and hence you could call that a little bit of an introvert although this is a job that looks like someone is an extrovert but intrinsically i think i like to read reflect think and why i'm saying that is who had his tryst with destiny speech at the midnight of getting the independence and he talked about a nation liberated but i think that there are moments that just come together that are factors over many years that somehow collide and collab to reach a certain mass or certain point so i'm also somebody who loves really reading history and thinking about it because there's a lot to learn from it about the future so the genesis of all of this is i think india is at a cusp of a very big economic revolution it we can go backwards and look at 1991 and say this was the seed and these are the ripples right decades of ripples and many things and a layer and a layer and a layer to come here but when you come here is a very important pivotal reflective point right lifetime to be able to experience it india as a nation has a very high probability to be one of the leading nations of the world and this moment hasn't come for india in over 1000 years and we happen to be here that's the big thought and so if going to call it a 30 trillion economy or whatever it is and a highly educated literate population probably by that time one of the largest in the world and that in a world where there is also declining birth rate and declining education to some degree is an advantage but moving into and the challenges of course are moving into a more and more technology driven existence right today we none of us know what to do without our without internet or without our phone or we can't be 5 minutes away from our phone even in the bathroom for god's sake so just think about it it's a bit ridiculous but it's the reality and maybe we have a bionic arm maybe we society has so much that it could be wonderful but 
also a moment where it's like a hg wells or whatever one of those doomsday it could also be very horrible we don't know but 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 for india i think the economic opportunity is a tryst with destiny okay we are in that moment right and entrepreneurship building a broader level of equitability because what happens when you don't build equitability for everybody to participate in it that's when you have the revolutions right doesn't matter with whether it was a russian revolution or the french revolution or the cultural revolution or whichever it is you can't have a society that has two very massive ends that don't meet in the middle but today we have a democratic country so that's not likely to happen right you have strong institutions to create better mm-hmm. economic equitability you have tech and india has a technology prowess that allows you to not only do better for its citizens but also offer solutions for many challenges of the world and do it at a certain scale that and a certain cost that i think is important in making that accessible affordable to a broader world because the problem with the western civilization is it was only available accessible aspirational for a very small segment of the world maybe less than 10% of the world could afford that but but remember whenever there is that wide disparities like i said it's like yes. physics vacuum it has to equalize in some form or the other and it will 100 years or 500 years doesn't matter but it will or 5 years the berlin wall just comes yeah. crashing down when that so i i think that we are at a very important moment in history but the pro, but the sad part of that or sometimes not sad but sometimes the part of it is we don't recognize it right so True. because we live it you can only see this from a horizon but i think we are living in a very exciting time and we may have an opportunity to play a interesting role and i think that's just you can call it the lucky card we are here so we should make the best use of it i so agree with you and vani as we talk about the present and the future i want to take a moment and look back in the rearview mirror and ask you to share two moments in your life again career personal where one it things did not work out as you had expected it was a failure became a lesson but in the other one where things took off beyond your expectation and imagination and became an astounding success i'd love for you to share these two moments with us i don't look at life with that much review analysis sure. i don't know if i even recommend that it's can become a little bit narcissistic also but i'll try to answer your question and they're not such crystal clear moments they are incidents and they were pivotal but they're not that crystal clear moments but i look at it as uh, there are definitely forks in our road and we may not even know we are in a fork and this direction takes you in one way and another direction we don't know where it would have taken you and we can look at that looking back right yes. when you are able to see the broader horizon and i always marvel at that and we all have that in our lives right and i always marvel at that somewhere uh, fairly young maybe at 13 or 14 or so not really being 
a great math student, in fact, a mediocre, if not a failing student, to suddenly I got inspired by a teacher who took a specific interest in me and showed a lot of kindness and more importantly, inspired to say, look, you have the potential. Why are you wasting it? It was just that, saying that. And I just, I don't know, fell in love with math and did extremely well. And that led me to engineering and that led me to Silicon Valley and that led me to start a company and be a technology person and then become a venture capitalist and all of these things, right? It could have been something else and I wouldn't have this life, right? So there's, but it's just those pivots. And likewise, even to start a company, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur because who does coming from a middle class Brahmin family in India and a woman at that, right? It wasn't something, a Iron Rand moment of aspiring all my life to be an entrepreneur. I had no Iron Rand moments, okay? I just faltered along and this window opened. So I stepped through that and that looked good. And then the next thing happened and the next thing happened. So just life happened and you took advantage of those opportunities as they came to you, as you understood them. It's, I think, a bit silly to think at nine, I would have known I could be a venture capitalist. I didn't know they existed. So how can I dream that? You, mm. So I think that, but the thing though is even becoming an entrepreneur, it was that moment in Silicon Valley and a couple of people, much like my math teacher saying, why don't you go pursue this idea that you are mm-hmm. talking about? I'm like, I should pursue it. Can I pursue it? Yeah, you can. I can. Okay, maybe I can, right? So somebody saying you can because you haven't thought about it opens a, a box that you didn't know existed, right? True. So these are all important moments in your life because you're surrounded in that environment, right? But but trying to be more precise about maybe your question, mm-hmm. I think when I started my first company as an entrepreneur, I really didn't know where it was going to go. It was about just, I got to do this, right? And if I look back, how stupid, how naive, how little I knew what I was getting into, it's astonishing, really. But I think it's, those things are important because it's really sometimes you can't do things if you aren't foolish. If you know too much, you might not do it. But the scale and scope of transformative effect in a short time, and that's why I call it a rite of passage. So I started a company in 97 and with $100,000 of my own money, which was like literally everything that I had saved for a decade of working. And then by 2000, so not that much time, it became a fairly large company. I sold it for $1.2 billion. That journey, I couldn't have ever scripted Nobody could have scripted. If you try to script young girl from a small family, no one in my family had ever, women had gone to professional college. No one in my family had ever started a business. And just if you think about the improbability of it, right? It was, it took a course of its own, but more important than the financial element of it, what I, what a human can learn in a short period of time going from, being nothing but an engineer, perhaps a reasonably good one, not even the best in the world or whatever, but decent, right? Maybe top 25% or maybe top 50%. I don't know, but really not the top 1%. I wasn't. But from that and having absolutely no background in business, absolutely none. I didn't even know how to work on an Excel spreadsheet at that time, right? Because there didn't exist a 
Microsoft Suite, you bought from a CD-ROM, yes. Microsoft Word, then you bought PowerPoint, then you bought an Excel. You didn't buy things you didn't need because first of True. all, I remember these costed $300. Yes. It's a lot of money back then. And you went to Fry's Electronics and you bought the CD-ROM and put it into your computer. So I didn't even own an Excel. But my point is that from that in four years to figure things out and become be a CEO, be a leader, have 1,000 people that are working. And we had, I think, over 100 Fortune 500 companies as our customers. That's rapid learning. And it's possible for anyone. It's not there was something special about me. I don't think there's anything special about me, except that I don't like to quit. And when people mm-hmm. tell me I can't quit, I'm like, no, I can. And then I need to go and show that that's a born trait or something that stubbornness which I think has served me but there are those intrinsics of human nature not some IQ that I have that others don't have but those qualities helped me I think to persevere but every day of that journey was accelerated learning to get from that point to that point so that's one point to what you said But in terms of a setback, I think my second company somewhere equally, even more dramatically, very rapidly, I think there was a fundamental disagreement with the board on how we should grow the business. My board wanted to grow it very aggressively. This was second company I started. Hopefully I was wiser, better, but I don't know if I was. But And that escalated very quickly into then we want you to leave the company as the CEO, which then I did. It was like a less than a week process in terms of blowing out of proportion, but a bigger, higher purpose and out of every setback. And there is one. That's why you have that. So it's important to not let that drag you down into a morass and you become the victim and Look, nobody has time for you as a victim. That is the reality. And one cup of coffee and you can cry with your friend, but 10 cups of coffee and they refuse your invitation, right? The sooner you can get out of that and look for what happened, but I can be bigger than this. And we all are bigger than our setbacks. We can be from our mind if we see that picture. So it rapidly escalated into suddenly me not knowing what to do from working so hard and you lose your purpose and it's like an amputation it's not like a slow process get used to it when you still have those phantom nerves you get up in the morning and say oh nobody needs me today so that's very hard but i think i use that time to think about okay it's an opportunity i haven't had this opportunity to sit back and say what do i really want to do what can i do where can i add value And that led me to this path of coming back to India, which I wouldn't have done if I was still running my company and doing something else or the other, right? The setback I had allowed me to step outside of my own mundane existence. We are all living mundane existence, honestly. But these moments allow us to come out of that existence for a moment and look at it from an outer body to say, what should I be doing now? And this notion of could I go to India and everything I've learned, I believe India is in this moment. Can I make a difference? You don't know, but you've got to try. You've never done it before. And as in I've never lived in India or worked in India before that time. 
I lived in India, but when I was growing up, I had not lived in India for 20 years by that, 22 years by that time. But can I come back and do something? It was like a big challenge, right? You got to be willing to take those big challenges and something else beautiful can open up in your life, right? I can't look back today and not be grateful for that mm -hmm. disagreement that we yes. had. It was a bit actually silly, but, but I'm glad we were silly. That got me into completely different fork, right? And I really have to be grateful for that. The point is, I don't think in absolutes of, oh, this was mm -hmm. a such a horrible thing that happened to me. Nothing is so horrible, really, because that was the path to get you to discover yourself to be something else. Vani, I love the, and I have to acknowledge this, that what you said about setbacks and moments, it's what we do, what kind of choices we make when those are presented to us. Do we say, oh, I'm not worth it. I'm, I am doing something wrong. Or we look at that from that perspective, as you called it, the outer body moment and say, what can I do with this opportunity or this moment? And how can I transition this and make it something different, something bigger, something positive? So it's not easy. It might seem like the world is falling apart. Amputation. I love those examples. And it brings to life the pain of that moment. But then it's also a choice that we get to make. And what we make of it is really what we are all about. So I really love you being vulnerable, open in sharing those really difficult and challenging moments. But to see you just take them and and make something and help so many others get through those is truly phenomenal. I think one thing that's very important, I want to say it, I say this to my kids, I say this to young people, how you feel about anything can't be about what the other person says or thinks about you. How you feel about anything, you have to find a way that you deeply reach within yourself and find that sense of self-worth. Somebody says, you are fired, right? Or you are not good enough, or I can't give you that funding, or you'll never make it, or whatever it is, or whatever they tell you that is positive also. All that matters in the end that makes that difference is what you do with yourself and what you think about yourself and the more you find that inner connect, the more you will do things bigger than you thought you could when you set out. But I agree 100%. And thanks for saying that. It brings a lot of structure around these ups and downs that we go through, especially as entrepreneurs. Now, I want to take a step back and talk about what do you do for fun? Uh -huh. I don't know. Do I have fun? I don't know. <laughs> idea of fun may not be other people's idea of fun. I read a lot. That's fun. And I garden. That's fun. I like creative process. So I actually do a lot of sort of salvage old things and make something out of it and those kind of things. That's a lot of fun for me. The giving something old and discarded a new life of beauty and something others can't imagine it to be. I get a lot of thrill from that. And someone says, oh, and oh, this was this thing that I made into something else. And uh, I am an experimental cook. I cook a lot. 
when I feel like it. So I, the whole food science process is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, and I don't know, just uh, take every day meaningfully. Walk in nature is fun for me. Discovering a beautiful architecture is fun for me. Learning history is fun for me. Knowing people is fun for me. Just knowing where did they come from and just what you're doing right now. But from all walks of life, in fact, especially from a very different walk of life from me. And I can have chai on the roadside with someone and learn about their life and feel like that was worth it. And someone from no circle of my life, discovering people, what makes people is fun. In fact, I rarely sit in an airport lounge. I think it's great to be incognito and observe people because you have time on your hand (laughs) and you learn a lot through that process. And learning new things is fun for me. But we live in a world where today somehow the notion of fun is also very scripted as like a reality show. And I don't want my life to be a reality show for somebody else, right? And I think that can also be actually quite stressful. Mm-hmm. And this judgment of what defines fun, right? Mm-hmm. I have sometimes young people that ask me, I'm very much into healthy living. I think about nutrition of everything, taste of course, but I pay a lot of attention to what goes in from sourcing, ingredients, how it's made, whether it's my clothes, who was the weaver, what was their life, why, what, just understanding different things and making meaningful choices. I live in a home that's completely off grid, but designed by us. I like that. These kind of things, right? I But I sometimes have young people ask, I don't drink most of the time. I'm largely teetotaler. I'm, of course, a a vegetarian and never smoked. There is this notion that unless you really get trashed, you haven't had fun. And it gets perpetuated. Like that's the notion of fun, right? And I urge to say, again, don't be apologetic to what's fun for you. We don't, you don't have to live somebody else's life. Live your life boldly, right? And you'll find kindred souls. And uh, this fear of acceptance by someone else can't give you the life that you are meant to live, okay? So I think... A lot of things I do are not social mediable, if that's a word, Instagrammable or whatever, right? Yeah, so it's a very, by most conventional notions, a boring life, Nitin. I truly enjoyed hearing about every single one of them. So maybe I'm also boring in that definition. But what the streak I could pick from there is, it's the curiosity of you wanting to find out the new, the history, the the reason for something's existence, and then taking that and seeing where it can go from there. I think it's a curious mind that drives that uh, that fun aspect for you. And I don't find it boring in any respect. I'd be hard-pressed so, to find who, yeah, who does. I'll tell you a quick story. I took a working class some years ago. And I was the only woman in the class. God knows why I thought I wanted a woodworking class because I knew nothing. I said, I have to learn something about something I know nothing about. 
and I barely ever even wielded a screwdriver by that time. And then this guy who was teaching the class said, oh, I really don't think this is a fit for you. I'm like, no, I'll show you. So the dining table we have in our home is something mm -hmm. completely handcrafted from just log to table, which took me a year to make and is really uh, a work of art and uh, gives me a lot of joy. So doing and making things and absorbing yes. yourself into it. So I have not some mean carpentry skills now, which nobody would believe nice. that I would, considering I'm 5'2 in height <laughs> and reasonably petite. But nonetheless, it's about doing new things. That's what is fun for me. I love that. Now, on to my favorite part of the show. And you've been doing this all along. I would love for you to share a few one-line life lessons with us. A few one-line life lessons. I could probably recite every dialogue of Lord of the Rings, Star Trek and Star Wars. And mm -hmm. so sci-fi, Isaac Asimov, those were very foundational reading in my years. And uh, I like to go back and reread things also. There are many books that... I go back and read maybe every decade because they open, as you grow, they open different meanings to you. A pretty cliched one, but one that I really use in decision-making, do or do not, no try, which of course means simply to me that be intentional and be decisive. That's what it means to me. Maybe... There is something, this is something I wrote about recently, so it's in recent memory, so I'll tell you this. And it came from a particular incident why I picked this line and wrote about it, but we won't go into that. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind. It's something I try to think about in my conduct every day. And we talked about someone telling you you can't or this or that mm -hmm. right and maybe as a woman I hear a little bit more of that and get a higher share of that than maybe others who knows but like everybody else there's an age where you are a big fan of Iron Rand I was also at 14 15 or something like that she has this line that I've always remembered and it has helped me the question isn't who's going to let me but who's going to stop me? And then another one, Invictus, always my pickup line when I'm down. Uh, I'm the master of my fate, captain of my soul. Loved it, both in the poem, but also how Nelson Mandela applied that to his mm -hmm. 30 years of incarceration and overcame every possible human setbacks to what he did, of course, to humanity. But anyway, there are many, but some of these are really life philosophies and you keep going back to them when you're happy, when you're not happy, and you got to find these things that bring you meaning. Vani, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. This has been an absolute gem and several lessons in there personally even for me so thank you for making the time really appreciate what you do not just for some entrepreneurs but for an entire generation for an entire country and you've really led from the front of showing that we can make an india 
for the rest of the world and that transformation is here to stay thank you thank you nitin was a lot of fun probably a very long session but i had fun with it and thank you for having me here